Pray with me. Father, our prayer is that in all we do, we bring you glory. And Father, we pray that when things are going well, we bring you glory. When things are difficult, we bring you glory. When we're getting along, we bring you glory. When we find ourselves in conflict, we bring you glory. Father, we pray that in all things, this is not just something that we sing, but it's something we strive to live every day. That you would take our lives so that we would bring you glory. And we pray this through Jesus' name. Amen. So a few years ago, a story went viral involving a wrestling match with five-year-olds. Now, I grew up in a part of the country where there was no wrestling matches for five-year-olds. My brothers and I, we would get into wrestling matches on Sunday afternoon. That's what my mom called it, wrestling with an A. And we would watch wrestling on TV And we'd pull the cushions off the couches and any spare pillows around the house, we would pull those into the living room and we would imitate what we saw on TV, which is the completely ridiculous, completely over-the-top, totally fake professional wrestling that we saw. So one of us would go in flying in with a fake elbow and then the other would just start convulsing as if we had been visited by death itself. And that was the kind of wrestling that we engaged in as five-year-olds. But these kids were involved in a real wrestling, not wrestling match with a referee that actually did something. And there is scoring involved, the Greco-Roman style. It was five-year-old Ruby. She was pitted against five-year-old Ryan to the death or for a Capri Sun, whatever, whatever they were going for at the end of that thing. That was the wrestling match that they had going on. But the reason that the story went viral is because little five-year-old Ruby had a two-year-old brother that did not realize that this was a planned, friendly competition. And he's standing over on the side, and there's a crowd around watching, and you can imagine in two-year-old brother's mind, he's thinking, do none of you see what's going on right now? Standing next to do-nothing dad, this guy's not jumping in. He's not going to help out. Someone's got to do something for Sister Ruby. And so in the video, you'll see brother sprints from off the mat onto the mat, and he grabs five-year-old Ryan. He takes both of them down in the process, and it's only when the ref steps in and then dad comes in to the mat and picks up brother that they can proceed. And everyone has a good laugh, and this is actually one of those videos. It looked copyrighted, so I didn't want to, you know, show it in here and get ourselves in trouble. I'm showing you just a few pictures, but this is one of those videos where the internet trolls actually didn't come out. Everyone loved the video, and they loved what brother did, and they were like, now that, that's a picture 
of what siblings should be like, how siblings should treat one another. And there is no question that at some other point, they're going after each other instead of defending each other. There's no question, maybe even in the car ride on the way home, he's like, she keeps singing. And he's like, he keeps touching me. It's my turn for the iPad. You know they go at it at some point or another. But this was one of those moments where you get a brother and sister and you say, you're not going to engage this on your own. You don't have to be left alone. Now, while the story was sweet and popular, it also offers to me a valuable reminder, and that is as funny as it was and as beautiful as it was, it was also a a helpful reminder that it's not always right to engage in someone else's conflict. That with the best of intentions, it's not always beneficial to interfere. Sometimes it's appropriate. If there is an injustice taking place and our interfering can help when we speak up, when we stand up, we can help curtail that injustice or when an injury is happening or there are times when we can be peacemakers we can be mediators we can be someone that steps up and helps out but sometimes we make matters worse and we actually read a proverb about this a couple of weeks ago proverb 26:17 like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own which is a really vivid reminder that sometimes with the best of intentions, when we jump into a conflict that isn't our conflict, we're going to get bit. And other people are going to get bit. We don't know what we will unleash on that situation. It takes wisdom to know when to jump in. In fact, isn't that one of the hard lessons that parents try to learn throughout their parenting life, when to intervene and when to stay back and let our kids do their own wrestling. It's their conflict. It's their obstacle. And with the best of intention, we can actually do more than help if we jump in too frequently or too soon, I'm not talking about abandoning our kids. We're talking about equipping our kids to learn how to fight their own fights, engage in their own conflicts. And if we jump in too soon or too frequently, we can actually stunt growth. Well, this morning, I want to talk about it from the other side. I don't want to talk about the times when we're tempted to jump into someone else's conflict. Instead, I want us to spend the rest of our time talking about those moments when we work hard to pull other people into our conflicts. The times when we prefer to talk about another person than to talk to 
the other person. Or the times when we would prefer to talk around the difficult issues than to address them directly. And there's all kinds of ways that we try to pull other people into our conflicts. And sometimes that can be healthy. Like when we're seeking sound advice. We don't know how to proceed. This is a new situation for us. Someone else has been there before and they can show us the ropes. They can show us the way. And we see in many ways the entire book of Proverbs is an argument for having the wisdom to know what you don't know and then seek wisdom from others, advice from others. Live open to the input that can be beneficial. And sometimes we need the sound advice of someone else to answer the simple question that I call, is this a thing? Right? We need someone that can walk with us sometimes when we say, hey, is this a thing? And sometimes they'll say, hey, yeah, that, that seems pretty significant. That, that seems pretty serious. I think you need to have that conversation. I think you need to address that or it's going to be worse. But sometimes we also need those people in our life who can say, you know, I know that hurts you. I think that may be because you're pretty sensitive in that area. Maybe give it a little time first. Maybe, maybe it's safe to dial it back from DEFCON 5, back to DEFCON 2. You know, we don't, we don't have to turn it off completely. But just, just take a little bit and breathe. We, we need those times. And sometimes it's healthy when we need assistance or we need an advocate. Sometimes, you know, we got to bring HR into this conversation. Or we, we got to reach out to a lawyer friend and say, hey, what, what do I need to think about here? Am, am, I, am I missing something? Or we need someone to go with us because it's not safe. We, we need a witness. There's certainly times when it makes sense that we bring someone else in. But we also know that there are all kinds of times when it can be very unhealthy to pull people into our conflict, like when we use that as a way to start spreading slander or gossip. So slander is when we're saying things that hurt, that injure another person, and they're not even true, or they're not the total truth. And sometimes we do that when we're in conflict with other people, especially if we feel hurt by them, then we feel justified in doling out a little hurt ourselves, Right? Which is why we get warnings in Scripture against slander, like Leviticus 19.16, because we know it can injure, it can harm those in our lives. And gossip is when we're sharing stories, and they might be true, but they're not our stories to share. They're, they're not our truth to spread. And we spread it in ways that cause harm, that hurt. And we can spread gossip at times when we're in conflict because we want to get people 
on our side. Proverbs 26.20 says, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. And if we can be honest, this can especially be a struggle in religious circles. Although it masquerades as concern for the other person, maybe even a prayer request, y'all, can we all just be praying for Susie right now? Because you would not believe. We can share information that doesn't need to be shared, isn't productive to be shared, isn't ours to share. And sometimes that's born out of conflict. And sometimes the unhealthy ways we bring other people into our conflict is we're trying to amass an army. We're trying to pull people to our sides. We're handing out the torches and the pitchforks. And couples can get into this dangerous rut sometimes. You know, I talked with several of my friends, and they all think you're being a jerk too. You know, I told my golf buddies today that you were really upset with me showing up, and they're like, you know, my spouse never does that. We can pull people into our conflict because we're trying to get them on our side, and sometimes we do it as a substitute to addressing the problem, not seeking sound or sage advice. We're just getting it off our chest, but the problem becomes when we feel like we've done something productive when we haven't talked with the person with whom we've got the conflict, which can create unproductive patterns like triangling. And counselors will talk about triangling in relationships. And this is, for example, when teenage son is having conflict with mom, but teenage son doesn't want to talk with mom. He wants to get dad on his side. And he goes to dad, and dad, instead of saying, hey, you need, you need to talk with mom, he's like, hey, I got this. I'll take care of this. And you see this in relationships a lot. Instead of developing honest, open, healthy, loving communication within the individual, we go to another person not to be better equipped to have that conversation, but so that they'll run interference. And over time, that is an unhealthy pattern that emerges where conflict isn't handled directly, but it's handled indirectly and always through an intermediary. In Matthew 18, Jesus indicates that there is a time to bring other people into our conflict at times, to serve as mediators, a couple of people, and later on it may be that we bring a larger group. We, we engage others within the church. But Jesus has a pattern where in healthy relationships and in healthy communities of faith, we, we create the habit of talking to the people directly with whom we're in conflict. So Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins against you, point out the fault when the two of you are alone. 
Doesn't mean in your life group first. Or at a Wednesday night table. Or blindsided in a meeting. When you're alone. And if, if they listen to you, you've regained that one. And I think it's a helpful reminder to remember that the word used for sin means missing the mark or missing the goal or getting on the wrong path. In other words, it doesn't mean every time in this situation that it's always some moral affront or moral failure against you. It may just be that their actions, their words are in conflict with your preference, what you want. And the first step rather than going to everyone else but that person, is to go to that person in a healthy, loving way and address it. So I want to close this morning with some suggestions. This is from a mediation training manual called How to Confront. And this is assuming that you've gotten to the point where you realize, hey, this relationship is important enough for me to address this, for me to confront the other person, or the issue is important enough for me to address this, for me to confront the other person, or some combination. And sometimes you'll realize, I can let this go. I need to let this go, as we talked about recently. And the first step is plan the confrontation. Think through how you want to approach the person, what you want to say, what you're hoping to communicate what you would like to see come out of it. Think about possible responses they have. This isn't so you obsess over every aspect of it. So you come, come up with a comeback for anything they say. Oh, I'm going I'm to shoot them down here. I'm going to shoot them down there. But so that you're a non-anxious presence in that conversation. Second step is seek a safe environment and conducive medium. So I've alluded to this, not so safe in a large group, not so safe in front of the kids where they're like, hey, what are, what are, y'all, what are y'all talking about that? Kids have this amazing ability to hear nothing in the car except when a serious conversation shows up. And they're like, what? What are you? You find a safe place to have that conversation. Maybe not in a crowded restaurant. Every one of us has had the experience of looking over at a couple and you're like, whoa, they're in a serious conversation there. That is not a happy table. And you start to realize, we we might should have had this conversation somewhere else. Maybe not when friends are over for dinner. When you're like, let me tell you what this guy did. Y'all, you guys tell us what you think. And they're like, why are you bringing us into this? We did not. We wanted dinner. We, we did not ask to be in the middle of this conversation. And maybe this goes without saying. I, I would suggest, you know, the more serious the conversation, the more you got to move toward in-person conversation. Text, not the greatest medium when conflict is involved or messaging apps of any kind an email that may get you further and you may have to do that phone is going to get you further but if you can have that conversation face to face you cut down on the miscommunication and the misunderstanding and ask to schedule a time 
to talk. Just because it's a good time for you doesn't mean it's a good time for them. They may be preoccupied. They may be busy. They may be stressed. When you're in bed with your spouse and they're tired, probably not the best time to be like, you know, I've really wanted to talk about this for a long time. Neither of you are probably in the best state of mind for that conversation. Or when someone just feels blindsided, they didn't know it was coming. You just ask, hey, I'd like to talk with you about something that's important. Is there a good time that we can do that? And they may say, hey, we can do that right now. Or they may say, thank you for asking. Let's do that tomorrow or later tonight or whenever it's better. And be hard on the issues and soft on the person. So it is important to be honest and open about the issues that concern you. Uh, But honestly, addressing the issues does not mean you have to attack the person. So you want to go after the issue that's important to you, but not the person. And we talked about this last week. Especially if this is an ongoing important relationship, then continue to find ways to affirm the other person before that conversation, in the middle of that conversation, after that conversation, because that better equips the relationship for the difficult conversations. And when you talk, own your feelings and beliefs, which means speak for yourself and not other people. I happen to know a lot of people at church think the same way I do. I've talked with a lot of people who line up with me on this one. Just just speak from where you're coming from. You don't have to speak to the large anonymous crowd you've got in your your corner, in your background. And use I statements instead of you. Again, you're not accusing. You don't get to assign their feelings or motivations. Just speak to your own. And be honest about your preferences. Don't make them guess. Don't beat around the bush. You can be loving while being direct. Next time, I would prefer if you bring this up to me in private instead of in the meeting with seven other people. Because I felt a little cornered and a little ganged up on So I would prefer if we could have this conversation face-to-face. And they might agree, or they might disagree, but at least they know your preference. And then be prepared to listen, because it's not a one-sided conversation. And we've we've referenced this passage a lot from James 1. Be quick to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because they're going to have a a preference. They're going to have a perspective. And so you want to listen to what they have to say. And I would encourage you to be an active listener, which means that you reflect back what you hear. Or you paraphrase what you hear. Which is a way of clarifying and making sure you're understanding before you go into your perspective. If I heard you correctly, what I understand you to say is, and they have a chance to then either say, yes, that's what I was saying, or no, this is is what I meant. And finally, be willing to be confronted and not just confront. If you want someone else to respectfully 
listen as you share your frustrations or struggles or wants or preferences, but you yourself are always defensive and closed off. You don't ever listen, but you only talk. That doesn't create a healthy environment in which to have those conversations. So part of what we've talked about throughout this series is conflict and this morning, occasional times of confrontation, normal part of life. It does not mean that anything is inherently flawed in your relationship if you have these moments. In fact, one of my professors that taught conflict management liked to say about churches, although it applies in a wider setting, he liked to say, if you want to have less conflict in your church, try having more. And what he meant by that was churches that get into a habit of burying the issues, ignoring the issues, denying the issues, instead of addressing them lovingly, respectfully, when something significant needs to be addressed. Those in the long run are the healthier congregations. And the same is true for marriage. If you want to have less, try having more, which means when there's something that needs to be addressed, don't bury it, don't deny it, address it. And as we keep coming back to in this series, it's not that any of us enjoys conflict. It's not that we're going to look for conflict, but when conflict occurs and conflict will occur, our goal as Christ followers is to hold on to our Christ following in the midst of those moments. So one of the best ways that we do that, which guides this whole conversation is we practice the golden rule. When in conflict, we want to treat others as we want to be treated. We want to hold on to what makes us distinct as Jesus' followers. Especially when we find ourselves in times of conflict.